0: Welcome back to another installment of Christmas in Quarantine, Christmas Past's impromptu miniseries of indeterminate length. I'll be delivering you one new episode every day until things get back to normal with the COVID-19 crisis. As always, I hope you're staying safe and healthy and practicing all of the common sense guidelines and taking your advice only from trained medical professionals. For the past few days, I've been bringing you some classic stories from Christmas past, and today I'm bringing you another one, but in a different way. Back in 2016, when the show was in its first season, I brought you an episode about old-time radio. And given how podcasts have revived interest in the audio drama, I'm often surprised that there hasn't been a renewal of interest in shows from radio's golden age. There are decades worth of sitcoms, mysteries, variety shows, westerns, adventures, and so much more just waiting to be rediscovered and freely available online. My favorite of all of them is a detective show called Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Each episode follows the adventures of an insurance investigator who tells the story of his case through the filling out of his expense account. If you've listened to the show for a while, you'll know that I sign off each episode as Yours Truly, Brian Earle. Well, that's a direct nod to Johnny Dollar, and it's one of the first creative decisions I made about Christmas past, to pay homage to a show I love. So today, I'm going to bring you a classic. It's a Christmas episode that first aired on December 22, 1957. I'll come back at the end to say goodbye and wrap up, but for now, please enjoy a case from the man with the action-packed expense account. It's the Carmen Kringle matter, from yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny. How's the weather in Palm Springs? A blonde in a bikini just melted past my poolside window. Goodbye now. No, don't hang up. Uh, Johnny, this job's just a few miles north of where you are. It'll take maybe a day to clear it up. Yeah, you said that last Christmas, Pat, and I got trapped in a blizzard. This season, I soak in the sun. Happy New Year. John, boy, we have a bonus list in this office. Your name could be on it. Uh, near where I am, huh? (laughs) It's a ghost town in Calico. An old prospector named I thought old Prospectors never died. He wants to change the beneficiary on a $50,000 policy, but a nephew, Ned Kringle, threatened suit if we let him. So you contact our agent, Gene Craig, in Barstow. Who's the new beneficiary? Expense account prevented by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Home Office, Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Carmen Kringle matter. Expense account item one, a dollar forty. Telegram to Gene Craig and Barstow telling him where and when to meet me. Item two, fifty dollars even to Al Stirner for his charter plane to the ghost town of Calico. says there's something about desert country that's good for the soul. And in spite of the air bumps, I got a panoramic view of the great Mojave that took my breath away. The sun-setting rays hit the weird mineral craters of the calico range and turned them into a patchwork of beauty. Night comes quickly in this country, and I turned to well when a Christmas tree cluster of blinking lights appeared under our wing. By way of answer, he put the plane into a glide and set us down on a smooth surface with a dry lake bed. To be plenty of company. I'm just an old coyote. Don't stand too long and he'll freeze to the spot. Okay. Good luck. Call me when you want to be fixed up. I watched the plane until it was swallowed by the dark. Then suddenly I got that feeling in the hair on the back of my neck that I wasn't alone. The moon was up enough to make out shadows and silhouetted in a circle around me was a strange collection of figures. One of the pack moved toward me. And for a crazy second, I thought I would bumped into Santa Claus's reindeer. Then a car without lights came rushing at me. The headlights slammed on and I got a glimpse of a donkey herd scattering into the night. All right, mister. Walk toward me, slow, with your hands high. I've learned never to argue with the Winchester ninety four, so I followed orders. I spotted the weaving headlamps of another car approaching and prayed it was the agent, Gene Craig. Close enough, sonny. I can pop the rattlers off the sidewind at 60 yards. So don't you make no sudden move. He was maybe 60 with gray sideburns and a frosty goatee. A marshal's badge was pinned to his leather jacket. All right, now, mister... Marshal!
2: Marshal, that's all right. That's Mr. Dollar. Huh? I was supposed to meet him earlier. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Dollar. I'm Gene Craig. Huh? I you... couldn't get here until I drove Doc Spangler up to Chris. He's had another setback, Marshal.
1: Yeah, some darn fool let down a rail on his corral and Chris Kringle's whole herd got loose. You don't give a chuck for most of them, though, except Carmen. Now he's fretting because she's running wild. Almost had him tracked down when this year fella showed up. If you vouch for him,
2: huh, Jean? You are Johnny Dollar, aren't you? Well, I'm
1: frozen factually.
2: Come on, I'll drive you into Calico.
1: You tell Chris that I'll have his carmen back in the corral before the moon's full. And, uh, Jean. Gene. Yeah, tell the old sourdough to stay alive, will you? We need him around here. Sorry about mistaking you, Mr. Dollar. Jean Craig, with a J, knew her way around. She was strictly business and filled me in fast on the old prospector with the odd name and his desire to change the beneficiary of his policy.
2: Everybody calls him Chris because every year he loads up his bows with toys and presents for the miners and their families back in the hills. Uh-huh. The kids really think he is Santa Claus. I'm afraid it won't be a very merry one for them this year. Well, what makes everyone so sure Chris Pringle is giving up the ghost? Doc Spangler says there's nothing apparently wrong with him, it's... More like he's given up. Oh,
1: well, what's with this Scrooge character, the nephew?
2: Ned Kringle seems all right. It's the man with him, Willie D'Agostino. He does the talking for Ned. You'd think he was going to inherit the money.
1: Well, maybe he's expecting to.
2: You know, you're making a good case for Carmen. Can a borough be a beneficiary, Johnny?
1: <laughs> Chris can leave it to a 3 man schooner sooner if he wants, providing a trust instead up.
2: Could the people of Calico be that trust if they promise to take care of Carmen? Yeah, I guess so. Why? That's the way Chris wants it. That way there'll always be a Christmas in Calico. (laughs) What happens when
1: Carmen goes to donkey heaven? Or is it Burroughs that never die? There'll always be
2: Burroughs in Calico, Johnny. And one of them could always be named Carmen.
1: Of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Carmen Kringle Matter. Well,
2: here we are, Johnny. Calico, once the richest silver city in the West.
1: It was unbelievable. Like seeing a page from the past. Walter Knott, famed creator of Knott's Berry Farm and Western historian, had bought the old ghost town's battered remnants and restored it to the way it must have appeared in the wild and fevered days of the silver load. I can make out signs nailed to weathered batten boards that told of a flourishing and colorful past. Joe's Saloon, The Last Chance, Hyena House Hotel, Lane's Mercantile, The Calico Prince. High on a hill at the edge of town, people were gathered at the entrance to a cave that was illuminated by hundreds of miners' lamps.
2: And it gets you, huh? Almost like it was planned. You're rehearsing for the Christmas Eve pageant. Maybe you can spend Christmas Eve with us, Johnny. You don't have other plans.
1: I have a day with a steam heated swimming pool. What? Come on, let's meet the old man. Prince account item three, a hundred bucks for a quart of perfume or a mink scarf, anything to wipe the hurt look off of Jean Craig's face. She led me up the steps to the rickety porch of Chris Kringle's wooden shack. A tall figure carrying a black bag stepped toward us out of the shadow.
2: Yeah, he I'm glad to see you. Will you drive me back to town? Why, certainly, Doc. Oh, this is Mr. Dollar. Hi, son. Hi. Chris, is he still all right? I couldn't say. Been sitting out here waiting for you. You haven't
1: seen the patient? The medical man knows the duty and all that, but I'm too old to talk back to a gun.
2: They wouldn't let you in. Tired of it. Well, I'm not a medical man. Well, please be careful, Johnny.
1: I told you, Starbush, stay away and leave the old man to. Well, if it ain't little genie, the policy fixer. And who are you, Mister?
2: Willie D'Agostino. This is Johnny Dollar. He's from the insurance company to see about changing the policy. Where's it,
1: Wally? Who are you talking Relax, to? Relax, William. and Adam, give us some tourist directions back to Barstow. There'll be no policy changing at this late date, mister. Ned Kringle is very bereaved at the imminence of his uncle's demise. Just family admitted at this sad hour. So mows you along, folks, I'll huh? Leave the young man to his grave? <laughs> your foot is in the door, mister. I don't like your foot. And I don't like you. His hand moved to his shoulder holster, but Jean was standing right beside me. It was Doc who suddenly shouldered past Agostino and fled up the stairs that gave him my chance. I kicked the door wide. Threw him off balance. I shoved Gene aside, and that was a mistake because a million Christmas tree lights blazed up on my skull Lights faded away, and I saw Jeannie genie fussing over me and looking worried. A young, nice-looking fellow was seated next to a marble top table. D'Agostino leaned against the stone fireplace and dangled his gun, smiling like he had a stacked deck.
3: He's all right, Doc? A nasty cut, but no fracture. I know how to pull my punches, Doc. The old man.
1: How is he?
2: No better, no worse. Just lying up there staring at the ceiling. I want to see Chris. I have a right to, Ned. I'm an old friend. Wooly,
1: wouldn't it be okay if Gene just went no, up No, let him die in peace. He's past Karen him. Wooly, these people have I a have right... I
2: said no! I'll get a hero boy in his feet and shove off. Go on. Come on, Johnny. Help me, Doc.
1: How's it going to feel, Ned? Sharing blood money with a hoodlum. Your uncle paid for that policy with a pick and a shovel. It took a lot of years, a lot of sweat... And he's had your name on that policy ever since you were born. Old man, Kringle never saw a pay dirt in his life. he had give him money to live on, paid the premiums on his policy. Chris was always tapping the kid, claiming he had a new five. He was going to mine a million. Willie, shut up! The old man's dying. Tell him, lad. Tell him how the old phony was always taking the bars, making like Santa Claus with the money you give him. Willie, haven't you got a... Tell him, hold on to the money! know he has been waiting a long time for this? Me. Willie D'Agostino, that's who... Is that true, Ned? Yes. Yeah. I thought my uncle would make a strike someday. I I honestly thought he'd strike it rich. I know he tried.
2: He did strike it rich, Ned. When he dies, every man, woman, and child in this town will mourn him. He'll live in their hearts. What will people remember about you, Mr. D'Agostino? All
1: right, I'll get out. Get out and stay up before I. Billy, really? this rifle will make a hole in your belly big enough to pass a borax beam through. So you just drop that gun. Well, I don't know what the shouting's about, but you're guilty of carrying sidearms. and you're threatening violence, Mr. D'Agostino. And ain't nobody does that in Calico, long as I'm the marshal. Now, you better get. Ed Dollar, I love you. Don't let Gladys hear that.
3: <laughs> well, I'll see how Chris is.
1: Uh, Doc, tell the old buzzard that I got his Carmen back in the corral. Jingle bells and all.
3: Yeah, nice work,
1: Ed. Now, what's holding you, mister? Okay. Okay. All right, let's go, Ned. Let uh, let the squares have a round, huh? I'm going to stay here, Willie. I want to be here when Chris. Hey, that's a good idea. That way, no fooling around with the will, huh? Smart kid, that Ned. See you at the funeral, huh?
2: Let's go up now. You were wonderful, Marshal. you too, Johnny. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. I take a nice sock on the head.
3: Say, hey, you folks better come up too. Chris wants to say something.
1: Oh, wait, wait a second. I forget on this. The corral. Come on. Agostino must have had another gun in his car. One of the bullets had found the mark he intended. Willie Boy wasn't taking any chances that Carmen Kringle would inherit $50,000. We found the burrow lying on her side, quite dead. Jingle bells and all. Of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Oh, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Carmen Kringle Matter. Oh,
2: Marshall. Johnny. How could he have been so cruel? Carmen, Dad. It's just not right. Yeah.
1: I figured Decastino might be mean enough to try killing Chris's pet bull.
2: We can't tell him about it. It would kill him for sure. He'll have to
1: know the truth, Gene. He'll have to decide about the world. Yeah. Truth is always the best. And easy this time. Easy, huh? Yeah. I'll just take these bells, off and this poor little fella, and I'll put them where they belong. Carmen. What? Carmen. Oh, Mosey over here now.
2: Well,
1: uh, oh, you pulled a switch. You put these bells on another book. Yeah. I didn't trust that GG character, and I was right. A nice girl, Carl. Oh, now, now, you folks going up and see old Chris. I'll keep an eye on this here $50,000 jackass. That's uh, the way it's going to be, ain't it, Johnny? Yes, sir. That's the way it's going to be. But I was wrong. The roly-poly little old man on the four-poster bed with his white whiskers resting on the quilt changed his mind again. Even after hearing about how the marshal saved Carmen.
3: (laughs) I I wasn't going to scratch Ned's name off of that insurance, Mr. Dollar. I tried to shake that D'Agostino, figuring he'd take his hooks off of Ned if he thought my Carmen was going to get the money. Oh, I was scared for a while that I just might have to up and die to where my nephew's gambling debt.
1: I, uh... I'm sorry, Chris. I'll work my fingers raw, paying every cent I owe, but I'll pay him back with interest. I want you around. Okay, uh, <laughs> Mr. Dyer. Yeah, Chris.
3: He lifts the lid on that footlocker and fetch one of them bags in there. They're, they're pretty heavy, but you look strong.
1: Well, they're <laughs> sure heavy enough.
3: You got them stuffed with silver? <laughs> it's better than silver. Open it up, open it up. There. Yeah, as you Yes, yeah, yeah. you recognize that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'd better have a good sleep, Chris. This here is plain old gravity. Oh, yes. <laughs> gravity. It's uranium, Doc, huh? The last batch assayed at $900 a ton. <laughs> and I got a mountain of it staked out. In both our names, Ned. You don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dollar, if you and Jeannie check with a barstow bank, you'll find that they'll extend credit on the strength of that assay. <laughs> you reckon you can spend two days buying enough presents so as we won't disappoint the folks hereabouts? <laughs>
1: Expense account item four, $68 even. Telephone calls to five principal cities where I thought Willie D'Agostino might be remembered. The police department had a long list of reasons why they remembered Willie. That was my Christmas present to them. Expense account item five, another 50. Truck rental to haul the presents we bought for Ned to give away come Christmas morning. And then it was Christmas Eve. We sat on the Kringle's porch and watched the procession up to the Maggie mine. The flickering lights from the miners' lamps reflecting on the faces of the happy children. Old Chris was bundled up in blankets, his little eyes twinkling, chuckling to himself like he knew all the answers to the universe.
2: Gene was there, too. Kind
1: of nice,
2: isn't it, Johnny.
1: Marshal Ed Noller was one of the wise men in the procession. I recognized the sideburns. And Doc Spangler couldn't hide his height. Oh, he wore an awful beard. Ned Kringle led the borough that carried the Blessed Mother. Yeah, you guessed it. The burrow was Carmen Kringle. Expense account total including return to Palm Springs and incidentals, $229.75. But forget it, Pat. This is the best holiday I ever had. And I was only cold at the start. From all of us to all of you, may this be your very merriest Christmas ever. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope that maybe I've inspired you to go off and discover some new favorites of your own from the world of old-time radio. We'll be back again tomorrow with something completely different. Until then, let me remind you as always that Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. You can always reach out by dropping a line to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you haven't yet joined the private Christmas Past Facebook group, now's as good a time as any. If you're feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? It's as simple as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave a review, I'll be happy to send you a Christmas Past sticker along with a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. Message me for details on that. Until tomorrow, stay safe and healthy, look out for one another, and may your days be merry and bright.